Today's Friday, October 20th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 542 features the newest voice of the Celtics, Drew Carter. And I'm Evan Valenti. Today's show is powered by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Celtics Beat, fresh off the preseason, which uh, the Celtics were very nearly unbeaten, 4-1, and one, and looked damn near perfect, especially in that latest effort where they could do absolutely no wrong. Should have won by 75 points or whatever it could have been, but they took their foot off the gas to call the stars out, as you would you know expect, and, and keep everybody in bubble wrap for the next few days. Regular season begins this week. That means by the time we have The next show, we will have real games, meaningful games, actual moments in time concerning this team to talk about. Very excited about it. But right now, excited for this, too, because there's a new voice on the broadcast who you may have noticed doing the road games so far and will continue to throughout the regular season. We saw the hire. We said we've got to have him on the show, get to know him a little bit better. Drew Carter, also of Syracuse fame, not unlike, uh, well, I, I don't know about fame, but me, I went there. Evan Valenti is not with us at this very moment. He went there as well. Drew, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Boston Celtics. Thanks, Adam. You're very generous. I think what, what you meant to say and what probably happened was you saw the hire and you said, who the hell is this guy? Uh, let's, let's try to bring <laughs> him on the, the guy po- from the Toy Story broadcast. Yeah. I've never seen him not animated before. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, great to be with another Syracuse guy, of course. And this is the part of the pod where everyone rolls their eyes and hopefully doesn't turn it off. I promise everyone we're not going to talk about Syracuse again for the rest of the show. We'll just talk about the Celtics until we dissect this weekend's football game. Let's do that for no, we won't do that. <laughs> Nobody cares about that. I understand they're costing me money, not covering the spread lately as well. So that's a whole yeah. other thing, but. Um, the, so uh, as you mentioned, obviously, I, th- I think the higher, you know, never mind like the who, like the Drew Carter of it didn't really matter. It was the announcement of, you know, there's a new guy coming into the broadcast that I think took a lot of people by surprise. Obviously, we knew this was going to be Mike Gorman's final year. And, you know, Sean Grandy, a good friend of this program, who's been on the radio broadcast for a long time. You know, he's filled in on the TV side quite a bit. A lot of people wondered if, you know, Sean eventually would slide into that role. But I, I think a lot of people just in, in terms of fans, maybe even some in the media, were just thinking that, you know, this year is going to be this year. It's going to be all about Mike. Not that it isn't, you know, with you aboard, but it was, you know, Mike is going to be the complete focus. Sean will do some games as well. And, you know, maybe John Wallach slides in. I don't know. TV will look like whatever it looks like this year. And then next year when Mike is gone, that's when the new voice comes in. Did the timeline of this surprise you at all? Well, I mean, I was kind of on the outside looking in, to be honest with you, AK. I mean, to give you an idea of where my timeline was personally, you know, I started talking with the guys from NBC Sports Boston. So Kevin Miller is, he kind of runs the show over there. And, you know, he's been my main point of contact the entire time. Paul Lucy is the producer of the shows. Jim Edmonds is the director. I started talking to the, to the, to those guys, really Kevin and, and Paul in, I think it was the spring, April, probably. I, I went in for an audition with Scal mid May. We did, uh, Celtic Sixers game six where, James Harden disappeared and I got to take a shot at him during the preseason. So that was always fun. Uh, Jason Tatum exploded in the fourth quarter. It was a fun game to, to do the audition for. 
Um, and then throughout the summer, just kind of stayed in touch, you know, had a couple more interviews as we got toward the fall and then they made the offer. So it, it was kind of a long drawn out process. And that that's really all I know about it. Although I will say, you know, you hit on something there that I think is really important, which is that this year is about Mike. You know, it's it's not about who's the new guy. It, it's really about let's celebrate the guy who's been doing this for 40 plus years and he's been doing it at a, an incredibly high level and is beloved for a reason. And so the last thing I want to do is, you know, take any of that spotlight away because Mike has earned it. Sure, absolutely. And we'll obviously talk more about Mike Gorman as we go forward a little bit. But, you know, I want to get the listeners who who haven't heard you elsewhere. I, I know you've done other shows. I'm just going to assume this is your favorite podcast appearance, if for no other reason than be, because we're connecting Syracuse dots here. But uh, you've obviously, like, you did the in-house show with Chris Forsberg. You've popped onto, you know, some other programs as well. You've been very much in demand. Nevertheless, if people have not heard you, I, I want to give them a chance to get to know you a little bit. Uh well, let's let's kind of go in a, a funky order. Uh, let's let's talk about the audition because you brought it up. What was yeah. that process like? Of I, I assume because it was a playoff game, but it wasn't you know it was a national broadcast. It wasn't a local broadcast. You you handled it live, right? Do you go in? You do it in studio with Scal, full game. How does that work? Yeah. So the reason we did it for Game Six is because it kind of had to be a road game because for the home games at that this is going to be super inside baseball, inside broadcasting here. But just bear with me. And I know you understand this, Anna, but maybe for the people who aren't like Syracuse dweebs like we are in terms of broadcasting, for once you reach that point of the playoffs, so that was the second round, obviously the second round because the Sixers never get past the second round, but it was the second round. The local oh, you're gonna fit in well here. Good, keep it yeah, up. There you go. So the local broadcasts do the first round games, even though most of them are also national broadcasts. I mean, they all are, but some of them more easily accessible than others. You know, ESPN, TNT. Some of them are on NBA TV, but they're also on the local channels in the first round. Once you get to the second round, the local broadcasts stop doing the games and it's all national, all national. But the thing is, NBC Sports Boston still does pregame, halftime and postgame coverage, mm-hmm. right? So it's the idea is, hey, you watch the game on this national show, but you can get some local coverage anyway with our stuff kind of between the whistles. Um, so anyway, all that to say, when the games were at home, those shows would be on site at the garden. So Scal would be there at the desk in the arena. When the shows, when the games were on the road, the shows would be done in house in the studio. So we had to do a road game. Um, and so we did game six and Scal and I basically went into what they call the podcast room. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit bigger than a closet. I mean, if you've, you know, if you've been to NBC sports boss, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's where they do their podcast, but Scal and I were basically sitting next to each other in a very static environment. We, we threw the headset on, got some crowd noise and we could sort of feel like we were there. Well, it's probably where they did the games during the height of the pandemic, right? When they weren't traveling. Oh, yeah. I mean, trust me. And and even post-pandemic, because, you know, a lot of networks realized they could save some moolah by keeping their announcers at home. So I've, I've done plenty of remote broadcasts from my living room, which is why my neighbors hate me. Uh, but I have some experience doing stuff like that. So Scal and I were in this room together. We called the first quarter together about the about six minutes of the second quarter, got to a timeout. Then he had to go get ready for his halftime responsibilities uh, third quarter, we did some as well. And then we all got to watch the fourth quarter together in that newsroom area, which, you know, if you remember that game, that was a pretty exciting fourth quarter to watch as the Celtics staved off elimination, ultimately won that series. So, yeah, the, the audition was really cool, man. I mean, my, my biggest memory of that day is how comfortable I felt with Scal from the jump. Um, and this is a guy like Brian Scalabrini is kind of an icon, especially for guys like myself who 
you know, how can I put this in a nice way? Had to rely on things other than athleticism to be successful <laughs> on the basketball court. And Scal is like way more athletic than people give him credit for. I mean, you've probably seen the videos of him playing one-on-one and just clowning guys. Like the right. guy's a legit hooper. Uh, but for a guy like me, I mean, seeing Brian Scalabrini play in the NBA was kind of inspiring. So I've always been a huge fan of his. And we we hit it off right from the jump. And he was super supportive and really cool. And I think, you know, he he could have been like, who the F is this guy? You know, I'm working with a legend. And now this kid comes in, like, why would I even bother? But he he was totally the opposite. And he was very supportive. And it's been the same way ever since. I think he's he's given me the welcome, like he's he's taking care of me. At some point, he'll probably be like, "All right, you're on your own now." Uh, but but so far, Scal's been incredible. You know, let the bird fly, let it leave the nest, yeah. basically. Yeah. I won't ask you to name guy. names, but do you have any sense of you know how many people were called in to do game Oof. auditions like that, like yourself? I have no idea. It's a highly sought after job, obviously. Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty high number to be honest with you, because Cascal has mentioned that he called that same game as an audition like a bunch of times. <laughs> so he, he probably knew every play that was coming by the end of it. But you're right; it is a it's a very prestigious job, and that's not lost on me. You know, like I, I know the guys who have sat in that chair before, and that's part of the reason. And I've said this; I've been open about this. Like I do feel some pressure. Um, I think I can I can do the job at a at a good level and I know I'm going to work really hard to do it but I also know how much the team means to people and how much the announcer can affect someone's enjoyment of a game. Um and so that's why I feel like it's really important for us to do a really good job and the guys who have done it before certainly have and have become kind of institutions with the team. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I, I think they probably brought a lot of people in and throughout the entire process Adam, I was kind of like this is fun, but there's no way I'm going to get this, right? Like, come on, that, that'd be insane. Uh, but it, it kind of became real when I, I talked with Rich Gotham, the president of the team. At that point, I was like, there can't be that many people chatting with this guy. He's obviously a busy dude, and he's in high demand. So at that point, it, it became like, maybe this is a possibility. And then, you know, a few weeks later, they offered me the job. What's that chat like with Rich Gotham when you, you know, evolve, obviously, to the point where you're talking with, high levels of of ownership management just that that top brass in the organization is it just kind of a get to know you conversation or are you getting quizzed on Celtics history because I know like not I've obviously I haven't been in that exact position but you know you go in to interview for a a high level position and and you sort of in your own mind you want to be prepared for everything like I don't know this guy is he gonna you know give me a a a 10 question list on the history of the organization. If I fail this thing, I'm out the door. You know, what was your preparation going into it versus the realities of the conversation? Yeah. He asked me Glenn Davis's player efficiency rating during his time as a Celtic. <laughs> and I had to nail it within two point. No, it, yeah, it wasn't like that. Yeah. It was, it was more of a, it was more of a get to know type thing. It was very casual. You know, you get a chance to meet Rich. Like, have you, have you met Rich? Yeah. yeah great yeah. guy. So he's, you know, you'd have no idea that he's one of the most powerful people in in the NBA if you just met him. I mean, he's very down to earth and super cool, easy to talk to. And so we had a great conversation. And I, I think the way it works and, you know, full transparency, I don't know exactly what it was like behind the scenes. But my understanding of it is it's really an NBC Sports Boston decision that kind of needs a green Celtic light approval. from the Celtics. Yeah, yeah. right. You, you need like a top line signature from the people, you know, at the top of the organization. And so... I think that's that was kind of the idea behind that chat. Um, and thankfully, Rich didn't think I'm a total moron. So the Celtics were, were cool with me coming on. So 
when uh, for, for you, I, I don't know what it's like when when you get that call from Kevin Miller or or text or email, whatever, and you get the offer and and just sort of what the emotions are like or even what it was like for you going into the process, because, you know, obviously we're just getting to know each other and you're a younger guy. You're what, 26 years old. You're you're not specifically from Boston. I know you have family on, on Cape Cod, so you're not foreign to the area or anything like that. But you, you know, you've done at, at a very young age, you're very accomplished. You've achieved a lot. You're at ESPN. You're doing football. You've done hockey. You, you know, you, we joked, you did the toy story games an NFL game at, you know, that's, yeah. that's significant, you know, is w- over the last couple of years, have you thought about like, what, what is my dream job? You know, is, is like, has basketball always been number one is, is, was it, I want to be a, a network NFL voice. I mean, I realize it's a weird question to ask because this is the job you just got. And obviously you're very yeah. excited about <laughs> it, but what was, you know, sort of what was the, ha, how did the goals evolve over time for you in terms of the play-by-play? Well, the dream Adam was always to be the voice of the Auburn double days. Of the New York <laughs> you, and, you and I hit it big. Yeah, we, that's uh that's where do you for, go for the viewers at home we, you just we both did that job yeah i know it's all downhill from there um no you know it's a good question and you're right that it it would be tough to answer if this weren't my dream job considering i just started you know i'd probably have to lie but the beauty of it ak is this really is the dream like i people would ask me like i tell them hey i work for espn and they'd say, oh, interesting. I've never seen you before. Like, I'll look out for you. I'm like, well, that's because, you know, I do, you know, Mac football and, you know, college basketball on ESPNU or ESPN News and host on ACC Network. And I'm grateful for all that stuff. But they, people will ask me, hey, like, do you want to you know, call NBA on ESPN or what is it? And, and I always say the dream scenario for me would be to do the national stuff kind of on the side and then be the voice of a team as, as my main gig. Um, because, you know, we joke about Auburn, but it was pretty cool to be with the team for an entire summer. I mean, we talked about it. It's 70 plus games with minimal off days and you're traveling. Yep. You get to know the guys. You get to know the fan base, even if, you know, the fan base at the level of minor league baseball is like my mom, the players, moms and maybe some diehards from the area. You get to, it's it's just more of an intimate relationship and you just get to know the team really well. You kind of miss that when you're traveling around and doing national shows, you sort of parachute in and try to learn as much as you can about the history and tradition and the roster, but it's just different being the voice of a team. And so I always wanted to do that. And I always thought doing it in the NBA would be the coolest possible outcome. Basketball was the first sport I fell in love with. It was a sport I wanted to play professionally until I realized I tapped out in like middle school. And uh, I, I think doing it with an NBA team, like any NBA team would be sick, but to do it with the Celtics is ridiculous and surreal. I mean, it's the most prestigious franchise in the league, which happens to be, I think, the best team in the league right now um, in an amazing city, the best sports town in the country. And it's also not that far from from where I've been living in Connecticut, and it's close to my parents. As you said, they live in Dennis on the Cape year-round. My grandma's there, too. My aunt's in Quincy. My sister used to live in Cambridge. I lived in Norwell for a couple of years when I was really young. So when people saw the Boston Roots thing in the press release, that's what we're talking about. So I'm, like you said, I'm not totally foreign to the area. Um, and, I, and I know what sports mean to that city. So to do it with the Celtics is just totally insane. And I'm extremely grateful. Does there become a point where this is even a bigger deal to that, you know, long list of family that's local than it even is to you like you. And again, amazing job. You're you've, you've 
put yourself in a, a position where you're with a, a contending team. Like you, you could have a, a championship ring in a matter of months. Like what, how, how incredible would that be? Give me one. I mean, I'm just doing the road games. Oh yeah. No, you get one. Yeah. You're, you're part of the broadcast family. You'd absolutely get one, but if you're, you know, don't, don't get too excited, but you would get one just, uh, unfortunately there hasn't been one in 15 years. So don't, you know, just pace yeah. yourself, but yeah. uh, you like, you would have been sort of to your point, like you would have been ecstatic about, becoming the play-by-play voice of any NBA team. I'm not saying right. the Celtics aren't more special than another, but, you know, it it would have, you know, still fallen into that dream job category. But when you have so many members of your family that are local specifically to this area, you know, it's not just they can easily watch you or come see you go to games, but but also just see you locally. You're around, you're here, you're not moving like to, you didn't become the voice of the, uh, I don't know, trail Throw a shot. Throw a stray at some team. (laughs) Yeah, like yeah, like you're 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 moving out, you know, the thousands of miles away. Like you're you're right here. Like baby's coming home, so to speak. Does it become a bigger deal even to your family than it is to you at a certain point? Yeah, and it's funny, Adam. Um, I didn't tell my parents about the job until like a few days after it was official. I I had actually taken photos at Media Day before I told them. How Um, is that? Well, I wanted so I wanted to tell them in person. Because it's, I mean, it's life-changing news, man, and sure. in a variety of ways. Number one, it's a dream come true job. And number two, like you said, I mean, I'm closer to home. And it, it's it's the ideal setup. And not to get, like, philosophical or anything, but whatever you believe, like, things happen for a reason. Or maybe there's, you know, someone pulling the strings on all this stuff. It does kind of feel like this is just right. Um, and maybe it's all random. Maybe it's all coincidence. But, you know... My parents were in Minnesota for 20 years and and that's where I grew up and they moved to the Cape about a year and a half ago. Hmm. And then this comes around pretty soon after. So it does feel right. And when I got to tell them in person, obviously they freaked out. My mom went straight to Dick's Sporting Goods and bought like three or four Celtics t-shirts. That was the first thing she did. Also got an Entenmann's cake. And, you know, I grew up, Entenmann's is like my favorite bakery and they have this devil's food cake, marshmallow flavor, which is absolutely incredible. My mom went and got an Entenmann's cake. It was just a like a white cake with chocolate frosting and got some green frosting and tried to draw a basketball and wrote Celtics <laughs> on there. And I have a photo that I can send you yeah. um, with us and our corgi and a chocolate cake. It's like, don't get too close, though. You can't have this. But like, let's take a photo together. Popped a little champagne. It was a it was a really cool moment. Um, but yeah, man, it, it does kind of feel like everything's come together and. What I told Kevin Miller, who, again, hired me at NBC Sports Boston, is, you know, I do feel like I'm ready for this. Um, and I actually heard I heard Matthew McConaughey, of all people, he was on a podcast I listened to pretty recently. He was talking about his book, Green Lights, which is kind of about his philosophy on life. Okay. And he says he says his his least favorite word that he hears all the time is unbelievable. How can you call something unbelievable if it's happening, like if you just saw it? <laughs> and getting the Celtics job is pretty unbelievable. But then I stop myself and I think, you know, it actually feels right. And I, and I do think I'm, I'm ready for this. And, you know, the, the people who made the decision, I trust them and, and they know what they're doing. And I think it's go time. So yeah, it's, it's a long way to answer the question and not sorry to get like deep there, but you know, it, it is really, it's a, it's a dream come true and it's, it's totally life-changing man. Quick break from the guys to tell you today's show is powered by FanDuel. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed 
when you place a $5 wager. That's $200 of bonus bets, whether you win or whether you lose, folks. Simple math. That means you win either way. You've, if you've been thinking about joining the FanDuel, there's no better place or time to get in the action than right now. The app, folks, it's on your phone. It makes life super convenient, and there's a whole range of uh, betting options available to you, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. Like, look at the MVP bets this year. I mean, Jokic, I'm just going to tell you, uh, you can't go wrong. Gambling on Nikola Jokic at plus 430 odds on FanDuel right now. Obviously, we're going to throw some love out for Jason Tatum at plus 750. I don't love it. There's too many people on the Celtics right now that are just too good at basketball. I don't, I'm don't. i not quite sure if Tatum's going to have the numbers to kind of do that. I think Jokic is going to have the dumbest numbers, uh, maybe humanly imaginable. Then Steph Curry plus 1,400. I mean, how could he not? How could you not? Makes. I, I mean, come on. He, if if the Warriors do anything, it's going to be because Steph is superhuman like he always is. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season, get caught up on the NFL season, and get ready for basketball season and get ready for that tip-off. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. 21-plus and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager, only $10 deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Is there a... um... In terms of, I don't think enough conversation could be had about stepping in and, and you know, not even attempting to fill the shoes of Mike Gorman. Like, Mike's Mike, you're you, and, and you know, you will never be one and the same. Even if you're here for 40 years yourself, you're still going to be you, you know, and, and like Mike is just an entity. He's a Hall of Famer. He's unbelievable. As you said before, he's an institution. But obviously, in this transitionary year, attempting to step into that seat you know one that obviously he had to when it was johnny most you know legends as you noted have have come through boston broadcasts not just the celtics what's early on because you've only been on the mic a couple of times but what's the reception been like from fans you know because i could see a lot of people and and to be perfectly candid i was one of them who sat and this is obviously before the hire where i said you know i just it's it's going to be hard if the if the if NBC Sports Boston brings in, you know, a a, a kid for for all intents and purposes. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like you have Mike Gorman, who's been in the broadcast for forty years. Like to to not have you know whether it's specifically Grandy or someone else who's you know been in the NBA for for a decade or more has just kind of been around versus someone who comes in in their mid twenties. That's going to be doesn't mean it's going to be bad, but it's going to be jarring. It's going to be very, yeah. very different, obviously, than what we've had. So what what have you heard from people early on? Well, trust me, AK, that I, I know exactly what you're talking about and I've thought about it. And and that's why there are some nerves, you know, and it's 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 because, like I said earlier, I know how important the the team is to people and I know how important the broadcast is specifically. So that's I mean, that's why I want to do a really good job, frankly. It doesn't matter to me as much what people think about me personally, as long as I have a good time watching the game. Sure. Um, and th- so that's the important thing. But I sort of was braced for people to be caught off guard and not receptive off the bat. Um, but 
so far, I mean, people have been pretty nice. Like, I, I think yeah. I'm terminally online. I probably spent too much time on Twitter and Instagram, but most of the stuff yeah. I've seen has been pretty nice. You know, there, there are occasionally some people who say, like, I remember one of them, because my friend sent it to me. Thanks, great friends. One of them was, Skippy Drew Carter has to lay off the cliches. Mike Gorman never needed them. Like, <laughs> Skippy Drew, that's a good new nickname. I haven't heard that one before. Um but I'm okay with that because, like you said, there no one's going to be Mike. Like, I just have to be myself. And I'm lucky to have a lot of great mentors, Um, like, obviously, some Syracuse guys. And sorry for another reference to Syracuse. But basically, the biggest thing I've heard is I, I just have to be myself. Um, And I knew that. You know, there, there's one Mike Gorman that no one will ever replace Mike and be Mike. No one can. Um, So all I can do is just be me and and hope people like it. Like. I'll just be honest, I'm way goofier and way nerdier than Mike is on the air. Like, I I will say puns that might go over 90% of people's heads, and I will reference Marvel movies. We did that last night, and Scal might be like, you're ridiculous, dude. Like, why why would you even bring that up? But that's just, that's who I am, you know? And so I, I think that's kind of what I'm going to lean on through this process. And thankfully, people have been really nice. Now, I will say, I owe that to Peyton Pritchard for going radioactive in the preseason and giving us chances to say stuff like say stuff like the pitching hour and preseason yeah. peak. That's, that seems to be like what people have enjoyed the most. So thank you to Peyton Pritchard for that. Well, you'll come to find quickly that there's nothing self expands. This is probably an overstatement. There's nothing self expands like more than sort of the, the origin process of trying to come up with a good nickname, like to a fault, yes. you know, like Kyle Draper, when he was here, of course, I don't know if you've come across him, but he's out in Sacramento yeah. now. He's, you know, like he was trying to make things stick left and right. And then like, maybe it would happen. Maybe it wouldn't. But like, there was, you know, when, when Tatum and, and Brown were, were much younger players coming into the league, people were trying to make this double Oh seven thing because it was, you know, their Jersey numbers. Uh, and, and obviously that, then it was, I don't know, it sort of just became the Jays, but uh, you the talk, all NBJs. Yeah. I mean, there's, there have been, I, it's sort of almost, it makes me think back. It's not at all related, I guess, but it makes me think back to that ESPN commercial with the, you know, as we call them, the new big three, when it was KG Pierce and Allen, yeah. they did the, uh, the, the three uh, amigos the, or the Boston three party. And yeah, you know, that, that this is sports center commercial. That's what fans, uh, some fans like to do. Like they're just desperate to come up with, you know, what, like what pun can we turn into a nickname? You know, Time Lord, uh, obviously the, yeah. the origin of Time Lord, uh, which, which, you know, goes out to one of the Celtics, uh, you know, Twitter personalities. There, you know, weird Celtics Twitter is, is, uh, certainly a place if you've, uh, heard about that or will come to find Max Letterman over at your shop. We'll, <laughs> we'll tell you all about that for sure. But it's, yeah, it is interesting. I mean, it's, it's as passionate a fan base as, as you'll come across in sports, never mind the NBA and, and the fact that, you know, you've walked into it and obviously been received early. It's, you know, I, I think that can only be considered a good thing, but I know what's, uh, you know, listening to you elsewhere, I know what's really important to you is, is, you know, getting the approval to some degree anyway, from Mike Gorman, the guy, obviously yeah. that, you know, is going to be leaving in a year, uh, unfortunately, but you know, it's, he's, he deserves it. He's earned it. He can go, uh, you know, um, sort of go off into the uh, in, into the shadows to the degree that he wants to be yeah. around, however much he wants to, and and live his life with his wife and grandkids and everything else. But uh, what you know, what has he sort of bestowed upon you? What sort of wisdom has he shared? I'm sure he's been nothing but kind. He's an incredible guy. But what what have you learned from him along the way early on? 
Well, it's good timing that you asked me this today, AK, because on Wednesday, Mike texted me pretty late at night, by the way. I mean, I think the guy might be a night owl. He texted me, uh, Drew and Charlotte, just to keep you on track, the action on the court is going left to right. The action on the big scoreboard is going right to left. Takes a little getting used to. <laughs> so he, he's giving me like very specific advice for how, to, for how to do this job. Also stuff like, you know, really important to be watching the monitor. Um, and, and his wife, Terry actually told me some stuff about psychology and how our, the neurons of our brain work. And, you know, when, when you acknowledge what's happening on the monitor, it's a signal to the viewer. I'm watching the same thing you are and it kind of bonds you. Um, and so, I, and, and I never really thought about it that way, but it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Mike has been really awesome from the start. And I mean, the guy's a legend and, you know, like I said with Scal earlier, this would be the case even more for Mike. I think it would have been easy for him to be like, who the hell is this guy? Like, I've been calling these games longer than he's been alive. Like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you fill in for me on the road and eventually take over full time? Like, how dare you? But He's been the opposite of that. And and the reason is, you know, anyone who knows Mike will attest to this. He's an incredibly cool guy who cares about others more than he cares about himself. And I think that's part of the reason he's so good. And he has no ego, you know. I think that comes through on the broadcast. One of the reasons Mike is Mike is because it does. it's never been about Mike. And it's, it's to the extent that I actually think this year might make him even – uncomfortable because there's going to be a lot of like Mike's farewell season stuff. And rightfully so he's earned that, but he never makes it about himself. And so he's been incredibly welcoming, you know, walking around TD garden during the pre or before the preseason opener against the Knicks was really, really neat. Uh, Cause you know, that was really the first time we had a chance to have an extended conversation and he's just been incredibly, incredibly welcoming and making me feel at home, you know, because like I said, I have the nerves. I, I feel the pressure replacing a guy like him. So to have his approval is really the most important thing. And I hope to earn that over the course of this season and, and beyond. Something you hit on earlier, and uh, it definitely resonates with me. I mean, I haven't done what you're doing, but I, I spent many seasons working in minor league sports, you know, almost a decade across different teams and everything. And far and away, my favorite part, more so than even calling the games, was just getting to know the players, the coaches, the people behind the scenes that were involved with and and related to the team. You mentioned, obviously, traveling with the Celtics and, and, you know, starting the process of getting to know these guys. Something that sticks out to me from conversations that I've had with uh, with Mike in the past on this show or in, and off the show, for that matter, is, you know, obviously doing the the games as long as he did. You know, he got to know a, a, a million in, incredible Celtics players, but less so maybe in the last let's call it decade or so you know part of that was the COVID pandemic separation not traveling part of it was just you know I think there's you know you you lose a bond over time just as as you age and the players stay the same age you know you're coming in 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 your mid-20s you're the same age as as most of these guys that are on the team so is is there an early bonding that happens there or is there sort of a a separation of church and state let's make our second mcconaughey reference of the pod it's like i get older they stay the same age (laughs) i don't know if that's that's how mike's feeling about the players um yeah so i'm actually i'm going to move into jalen brown's guest house at his his new place now that he's got that five-year three the 304 million dollar contract no i've I haven't asked him about that yet, but I'm sure he's got room for me. Factory, you'll be great. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I mean, there, there's been a little bit of that. You know, I, I think there is 
separation of church and state is a good way to put it um, because, you know, I'm not on the team, obviously, but being with the team traveling, you know, it, it can sort of feel like you're part of the family mm-hmm. at, at, at certain points. And, you know, I experienced that with minor league baseball, like you mentioned, but I think one of the, one of the problems I ran into in minor league baseball is I, I think I tried to force it a little bit. Like I, I wanted to be best friends with everybody. As you know, at that level, a lot of the guys are in co- like college age or just graduated from college. And I, so I wanted to be like boys with everybody on the team. And it's just not like that. Like there has, there, there's a little bit of a, of a difference there between broadcaster and player. But with that being said, the guys I've spoken to have been awesome. Like O'Shea Brissett was at Syracuse when I was. And so we sort of knew each other from then a little bit. Like I'd be in scrums with him in the Syracuse locker room. And um, I got a chance to see him at the hotel in Philly. And we talked for a little bit. Uh, Shimi Hyluk was super cool too. And I talked with him. Kristaps Porzingis like is awesome. Get a fist bump from him on the bus going to the arena. So yeah, the, the guys have been super cool. I, th- I think it might be a little bit different from how it used to be with how big of celebrities these players are now. Like if you think about when Mike started, you know, he might've been making more than the players. I, I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, these uh, guys but, had side jobs outside of the season. Yeah. Right. Like you could talk to Cedric Maxwell about that at one day and, and yeah. he'll tell you how different it is now. Well, Tommy uh, Hines was like selling insurance. <laughs> right. So I don't think Jalen Brown is selling insurance anymore. He's making 60 mil a year. So it is a little bit different, but with that being said, even though guys are like huge celebrities and making a ton of money, I haven't really noticed, you know, any difference in how they treat people compared to normal people, you know, and maybe that's because, you know, we're on the inside, quote unquote, like on the plane and on the bus. But yeah, the interactions have been good, but I don't expect to be like grabbing drinks with Jason Tatum anytime soon. Maybe one day, maybe we can play golf together. I hear he's a a big golfer. Maybe he can babysit his kid. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. I think I need more trust for that. Maybe I'll give it a couple of years. So removing sort of everything we've already talked about, like come the the Mike Gorman effect, the oh my god, I'm in the NBA now, the like all of that stuff. The fact that you're now in this position with a team that is contending, that is, you know, instantly in the championship conversation. What is that like? And I, I don't even mean from a like pressure of the broadcast and who's listening and more ears and all of eyeballs, all that stuff. I just mean the fact that, you know, on a night to night basis, you are going to see some of the best basketball, you know, not only in the world, because that would be true of any team, but in, you know, that much better. It's going to be the best basketball in the world and a, a team that might finally be hoisting banner 18 come the end of the year. Dude, watching them in Charlotte the other night, holy smokes. I mean, this team is going to be so freaking good. I got a text from someone who was in Spectrum Center who said, holy blank, you're going to have fun this year. You guys are so good. And I'm like, you're right, man. I mean, I I think this is probably going to be hyperbolic, but I do think there's a chance the Celtics could lead the NBA in offensive and defensive rating. I mean, just from what we've seen in the preseason and how the roster is made up, obviously you need health and maybe the, the starters won't, play enough minutes to attain that. There might be other teams who put more emphasis on the regular season. The Celtics know that like, if everything goes well and they stay healthy, they should be in the Eastern conference finals. Cause that's the standard they've set. Right. And that that's when, that's when it will be time to shift it into the highest gear. But I think the team makes a ton of sense construction wise on paper. And also from what we've seen. And to me, what I've been most excited about in the preseason is look, we know 
who Jalen Brown is. We know who Jason Tatum is. We know we're going to get from those guys. But seeing how Porzingis and Holiday have meshed so seamlessly has been a lot of fun to watch, and it actually makes a lot of sense. It's not like you're trying to fold in a ball-dominant guy. It's not like Luka has, has joined the team and everything has been torpedoed. Those guys, even though they have the talent level of superstars, don't need the ball at all times in order to make it work. I mean, I, I kind of compare it to like when Durant joined Golden State. You know, KD's one of the best scoring forwards who's ever walked this earth, but he didn't change everything about their system because he's kind of a malleable player. Um, and so I think Drew and Porzingis are pretty similar to that. Same thing goes for, you know, Derek White and Al Horford. And then the guys from the bench who I think are going to contribute majorly in the regular season, who have been pleasant surprises. Obviously, Peyton Pritchard has been insanely good. Namias Keita has been the most pleasant surprise of the preseason for me. Um, you mentioned Time Lord. Rob Williams no longer with the team. And I'm not saying Kata is Williams yet, but I think he can do a, a pretty good imitation of him, rolling hard to the rim, protecting the rim, rebounding, blocking shots. He's been super impressive. And, and the fact that he's on a two-way is a complete steal. Like, I don't know how the Kings let him go because he's been awesome. And then a guy like Sfimi Hailuk, O'Shea Brissett, I mentioned. I just think the team looks really good from top to bottom. Um, and so despite the fact that I – do bleed green now. I am going to be a bit of a homer for the Celtics. I think objectively, yeah. they should be the title favorites. Anything that has surprised you as you've watched more tape and watched games in person and just, you know, really immersed yourself in all things Celtics? Like, uh, you know, man, I've, I've watched a lot of Jason Tatum over the years. I've seen a lot of big moments, but holy crap, this guy's even better than I thought. Or Chris Tapps Porzingis is a, you know, a, a better defender than I realized. Or Drew Holiday, like, Good God, people talked about it, but this guy is strong. Like anything that yeah. that has really sort of taken you aback as you've watched closer? Yeah, something on all those guys. Two on Tatum, number one, I mean, it's been well documented how much weight he's put on this offseason, 12 pounds of muscle, setting records in the weight room. I think he's going to be very effective in the post this year. And, and that's something you've seen from superstars in the past. When they add a really effective post-up game, it kind of opens everything up for other guys. Like I think about when when LeBron became a really effective post player. He came into the league, he was he was kind of skinny. And then as he bulked up, even though he claimed he never lifted weights once, I think, like no chance that's true. But he added that post game, and all of a sudden his teams kind of hit a new level offensively. I think we'll see that from Tatum this year. And also with him, I, I think his defense is underrated. And his his instincts and his ability to read the play one or two passes ahead, he's always in passing lanes. Like he he gets two or three deflections every game. So for Tatum, I've been pleasantly surprised by those things. Holiday, you mentioned the strength. I mean, he went right through I think, Nick Richards the other night, or and Pritchard did the same thing. Like Nick Richards has sixty to seventy pounds on these guys, and they're they, I mean they're putting him in the weight room. Uh, Porzingis, obviously, you understand reading his height how tall he is, mm -hmm. but when you see him in person, <laughs> it is kind of different, you know, like. No one's going to be able to defend him. He's going to get open looks on the pick and pop just because there's so many other weapons on the floor. But he really doesn't even have to be open to be open because he can just shoot over the top of everybody. And yeah. I like seeing the freedom he has on defense. And he's he's talked about this after the Knicks game uh, earlier this week. Missoula is kind of giving him the option to trap when he sees fit, at least if I'm understanding correctly what Porzingis was saying. So there were a couple times in that Knicks game 
where you saw Porzingis instead of dropping, which is what he typically does in a pick and roll, he goes out and kind of ambushes the ball handler. It's like, good luck. Here's seven, six wingspan, seven, four guy with huge hands. Good luck trying to get around that guy. They're also bringing the full court press sometimes. I just think the defense is going to be insane. And then on offense, you got five guys who can shoot really no matter who's on the floor. Uh, it's just a really exciting roster. I think Brad Stevens and Mike Zarin and everyone in that front office have done an amazing job constructing it. Do you have a favorite player early on? And I, I asked that in like, I mean, some people in the organization might be listening. None of the players are, I can <laughs> yeah. guarantee you that. But yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, Mike Gorman was very open. Like Paul Pierce was his guy. Is, uh, is, is there an early favorite for you putting the maybe uh sentimental O'Shea Brissett Syracuse connection aside? <laughs> Well, just in the preseason, I mean, I've got a couple favorites. Number one, Drew Holiday has legit always been one of my favorite players. When he was at UCLA, I thought about changing my name to J-R-U-E because uh, <laughs> they're pronounced the same, and I've always yeah. been a huge fan of that guy. Also, this is going to be really obscure and really esoteric, so I'm hoping there's at least one person who gets this reference. But in NBA 2K12, his dribble package, specifically his crossover, was nasty. And so I would always have my my player with the Drew Holiday crossover because even if he wasn't quick, something about how he snapped the ball across, you would always beat your guy. Yeah. So I've always been a big fan of Drew Holiday. Uh, Pritchard, because of what he's done in the preseason and, and, frankly, the opportunities it's given us to have fun on the broadcast. Pritchard's one of my favorites. You mentioned O'Shea because of the Syracuse connection. Kata to me, is a fascinating one. Uh, first Portuguese player ever in the NBA. Uh, goes to Utah State, of all places. I'm surprised that he wasn't more heavily recruited. I'm, I'm wondering what our guy Jim Beheim was doing. I feel like he could have been pretty good in the middle of the 2-3. Uh, but I guess to answer your question, it's it's too hard. I, I would need like a – I need to be able to pick three or four because there are too many guys that have kind of fallen in love with their games in the preseason. No, I mean, I like that. Like, it, it would have been it, – it's too easy to say, like, oh, well, the Jays. Like, I love Tatum. Yeah. I love Brett. Like, of course you do. Why wouldn't you? I mean, even during the the new Big Three era that, that you know, was – most people obviously were obsessed with Garnett, and rightfully so. But, like, Eddie House – and I don't just say this as, as one of your colleagues now, but, I mean, truly. Like, I was a season ticket holder at that time. Like, Eddie just – microwave instant bucket off the bench like i i yeah. fell in love with eddie house you know not following him too closely before he came to boston those couple of years that he was here it was like oh my god I'm, I, I'm obsessed with this guy so it's it's sometimes it's more fun when it's like one of the guys that you had mentioned the peyton pritchard or obviously any of those any of those you know other reserves where it's you know these guys that maybe have a a more limited skill set but do whatever it is that one thing really really well that you just genuinely get excited when they check into the game and uh not a lot of people can have that effect on you. Yeah, I I've, I've always been I always try to be uh unique in terms of who my favorite players are. So probably my favorite basketball player of all time is White Chocolate, Jason Same. Williams. Same. Yeah. Well, he's I mean, he's, in, he's in my top 3. It was it was him, Jason Kidd and uh Penny Hardaway. Those were Yeah, my and these I mean, you it's just because like you said they make you feel something when you're watching them. Yeah. And Jason Williams is not even close to like the best point guard of all time, but he's my favorite to watch because you never knew what you were going to see. Oh, the behind the back elbow pass. Come on. The elbow pass is insane. You know, like he he's the best highlight player of all time. If you watched him, you know, over the course of an 82 game season, you might waste a lot of time waiting for a highlight, but when you yeah. see it, it's like seeing lightning strike, yeah. like in baseball, 
I always loved Sean Figgins for some reason, <laughs> C-H-O-N-E, because he would always steal a bunch of bases, and I thought those guys were cool. Like, I've always kind of gone off the map for my favorite players. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think I would even choose a starter as my favorite Celtic right now. So it won't keep you much longer here, but as we ramp up to opening night, which, of course, is, you know, Wednesday, and just pull up the schedule here. And so, I mean, are, are, are you doing this first game or this must be, I mean, it's an ESPN game. So is, is there going to be a local feed as well? There is, but Mike's doing that one. That, that's okay. Since it's the opener and, yeah, yeah not that far away, Mike's going to do that one. So will you start uh, the following Monday in Washington? Will that be your start? Yes, sir. And that, that'll be a nice little um, – half preseason game because the Washington Wizards are expected to not be very good this year. But now that I say that, of course, you know, someone from, from the Wizards will hear this and bulletin board material. Listen, man, I mean, the, the Celtics lost multiple games to the Magic last year, didn't they? So yeah. I mean, these, these things happen, obviously. But what, uh, I don't know, I, I know you've done games, you've worked with Scal, but like preseason and regular season are different. And I'm sure mm-hmm. just the the early season, or even if it's just game one, for you, the early season jitters have to be a real thing, right? No doubt. Um, and and the job is, to be candid, a little bit different preseason to regular season. Like if if you watch the preseason broadcasts, it's a little bit less play by play and a little bit more big picture conversation because ultimately the result doesn't really matter. Right. Um, you, you still call it because you want to see what the players are doing individually and how everybody's meshing, but it obviously with, with the results not going in the final columns doesn't matter quite as much the outcome of the game. So the, the job changes a little bit preseason to regular season, but I am grateful, Adam, that I've been able to do three preseason games because, it, you know, for the same reason that players play in the preseason, I feel like it's good for a new announcer to work with a partner and, you know, a new sideline reporter and producer and director for the first time and, and get a couple under your belt before a quote unquote doing it for real. Um, so yeah, I think the preseason has helped us gear, gear up maybe just as much as the team. So, uh, and, and for people that I mentioned earlier, you do ESPN other, is it just ESPN? Anything else on the side? ESPN is kind of all encompassing anyway. But yeah. That's, that's for the, now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Until, <laughs> yeah. uh, until Nickelodeon comes after you and right. it's like, we need to do more of these, uh, <laughs> broadcasts. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you got ESPN, you obviously have the Celtics, the Celtics we were talking off air. That's, that is your number one, but, uh, yeah. you know, people are, you must have kind of a, I don't know if it's just football or if it goes beyond football, but I'm assuming a, a pretty grueling schedule balancing Celtics games, road games with other college football or maybe college basketball across whatever else you have going on. That's why I look like this. I look like a, a zombie. Yeah, it is. But, you know, you mentioned our conversation off the air. The Celtics have a priority. And that that's not just me saying that. That is like legalese, mumbo jumbo and, and yeah. my contracts with with both the Celtics and the and ESPN. That is my my top priority. Um, and I think I, I'm learning how to budget time a little bit better, like, a, you know, every college football coach will give you the same cliches about you know being where your feet are or staying present or all that junk but it actually is important I think when you're trying to juggle a variety of different things like I'm I'm doing a college football game this weekend Toledo is at Miami of Ohio it's actually a really good game Saturday ESPNU for Eastern if you want to check it out there you go but but I, I can't let that you know distract from the main thing which you know is the Celtics and and when I'm calling the game Tomorrow afternoon, that's the main thing. You know, I'm, I'm probably not going to be thinking about when will Namias Kata get 
you know, upgraded from his two way contract <laughs> as it's like third down and four in the third quarter of Toledo, Miami. Um, and so keeping the main thing, the main thing and focusing on what I'm doing in, a, in the moment is, is really important. But with that being said, like the Celtics are basically my life at this point. That that's the top thing. Well, welcome to the broadcast, NBC Sports Boston, the Boston Celtics family, obviously, the Celtics beat family. I know we'll we'll reach out to have you on again as the season gets going. Hopefully you become a a good friend of the program, not unlike Sean and Mike as well. But uh, uh really cool to just get to know you a little bit better. Hopefully fans, listeners uh feel the same way. It's you know, it's it's good to have uh obviously a not only a qualified individual, but a a good person uh getting ready to fill this seat. Thanks, Adam. Great to be here. And tell uh, tell Evan he's allowed to show up next time if he wants. Yeah, it's unbelievable, right? Just, to- <laughs> just totally coasting on us today. Nah, he has he has a reason. We'll see him soon enough. Uh, for Evan Valenti in spirit, plus he's producing behind the scenes, as yeah. well as, of course, Drew Carter. I'm Adam Kaufman. This is Celtics Beat. Rate, review, most importantly, subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week when there's actually a game or two under the Celtics belts. Look forward to that. We'll talk to you soon.